Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. This is an industry where your inventory is appreciating. It's not even depreciating. So yeah. the value of some of that scarcer stuff is going up. So if you sell yeah. it now, you could sell it for more next year. So why rush it? Is there any other industry like that where your inventory appreciates? And collectors get the benefit of that too. So that's why collectors become many businesses. Is, yeah. It's counterinstinctive. If people and now finally I have some of my friends saying, you know what, I'm thinking about selling my cards, but I'm thinking I'm just gonna wait till they go up. I say, dude, <laughs> you that one. had last couple of years. What are you talking about? I say, no, they've gone up. In fact, now there's they crested in many cases. Now they may go up again at some point in the yep. future. But they're up a pretty good point compared to where they were 10 years ago. If oh, you're absolutely. waiting for your ship to come in, it's in. If you have a friend who, who just pulled them out, he's still way up. Because way even up. if you look at the 2017 numbers, it's yeah. still way up. It's still a great time to sell, in my opinion, too, because there's a lot of eyes on it. A lot of people are willing to take that risk. What's blown my mind is how a lot of these auction houses are giving loans on people having assets in their vault. So they're creating a bunch of equity there, too. That's yeah, why they want to acquire stuff. Aren't, those loans aren't 90% the value. <laughs> I know. They're I think 50% it's an interesting... the value or 40%. I think they're covering themselves. I've been told that large investment money is going into that space, giving loans out for that. And the dealers will tell you they like to buy at 50%. So they can give you a loan where they can buy the asset back at 50% where you, Just, you can't afford the loan. It's a win-win. Have, have you gone into pawn shops lately? No, I have not. Okay. I if you I did go into pawn shop, you'd see about 99% of the stuff that's just stuff on the wall that you think, ah, oh, it's interesting. But you'd see 1% of the stuff, maybe it's the cards. You'd say, wow, I wouldn't mind having this stuff. This is like a pawn shop wow. where everything in there, it's a candy store where you like all the flavors. So yeah. if it's high-end cards in a vault and they're repossessed or taken over, that's wonderful. So uh, sure, there's investors that want to loan against because they're hoping you default. Yeah, and exactly. Even if the value goes down, which has the value go down, goes down, they may have an additional capital call or something. But if somebody defaults on it, they're happy to get it at half price or, or less. Because these are, in some cases, not once in a lifetime, but pretty rare artifacts. Yeah. So, and they're for sales. So you're right. The guy has a $50,000 piece. So he, he has to sell it. Willing buyer and an unwilling seller who's yep. forced by circumstances to take because it's always going to be less than what the current value is, not just the former yep. value. That that yep. investor that put the money up is not just going to get it for today. If it dropped <laughs> in half tomorrow, they don't get it for half. They're going to get it for less than that. Yeah. And that's why I say there's a lot of opportunity there because right now is a great buying time if you're a power buyer, big money buyer. If you're an individual buyer, money not talks. the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Talks. In fact, the more mystique you can have about how many zeros you got, but what you have to do is bundle. You either got to get something yep. really big that's not very liquid or take somebody out of a position with a bunch of stuff where some of it's really easily saleable and other of it is not, but it's all good stuff. I was thinking, maybe it was your podcast. Somebody I heard this week where somebody said back in the day, they used to go to the national and used to buy someone's booth at the beginning of the national. That was actually a play, right? That's you happened. went. And you I've, buy done the whole thing. I've done that not at the National. I used to do that in the 70s. Yeah, but that was actually- I saw like, somebody at the National said, hey, remember when you did that to me? I said, no, I don't remember that. He said, trust me, you did. You made our, yeah. not our National, but it was actually at the one of the big Detroit shows. So you just, you were interested in a bunch of things. How much for the whole table? I don't remember that. And they, they remembered exactly how much it was. 
And now yeah. I'm embarrassed that it was thousands <laughs> of dollars, but it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars. So it makes me look like a crook. I am not a crook. They threw out the price, not me. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, so, I can understand that. When I that was stuff. a deal because I'm sure they knew that they were taking a haircut, but they'd rather have the money yeah. than all the cards. And then they were yeah. put loose and fancy free for the rest of the show. But the national, you know, there's some logistical problems too, Michael. Yeah, the podcast said there was one guy who would set up every year with a lot to sell and you could come there every year and you could just buy him out, but he wouldn't sell his spot. In other words, next year he'd be back oh, again because right, right. he was like a continuous dealer, but he'd start there in the beginning of the year. You want to buy it all? Here's my price. And he'd also have a price at the end of the week. So if he didn't sell it, he'd sell it at the end of the week. But again, it was just interesting to hear that perspective of guys just buying out big lot, just buy the whole thing out. Chris Sewell is a great example of a baseball card collector, investor, dealer. He yeah. makes a living buying collections. One well, of the best guys. Yeah. That's what I had a lot of fun doing. I can do it now. I've done it a little bit more the last year. But I did it a lot in the 70s. It's how I got knowledge. If you buy untouched collections, you could see what was more scarce. If you're buying yep. somebody's table, it's just what hadn't sold yet. In fact, there's a surprising amount of clearance sales. Dallas, there's a guy in Dallas that I've got to hit him first because he will always sell his table at the end. He will sell whatever's left. Interesting. On yeah. On, yeah. And he'll do it. And he used to do it on Sunday. Now it's on Saturday. So I was not finished on Saturday. I came back Sunday, said, up oh, too late. But he's educating me to go to him first to yeah. get the stuff that I want. And I don't really want to buy the whole thing. I prefer not to do that anymore. But then he told one of his buddies. And one of his buddies on the next show, the guy said, hey, <laughs> that guy said you would buy the rest of the stuff at the end of the show. It's Sunday afternoon. I said, well, I'm going home. He said, well, why don't you go home with my stuff? And he said, I've got a tour that I'll help you take it to your car. I said, well, I don't have any cash anymore. I just have a check. I'll take your check. Yeah, I know who you are. He did. I know. And I said, yeah, but you got some non-sport in there. I don't really collect these. So I'll throw that in for free. You have to take it all. What do you do with stuff you don't like that truly you don't collect or it's not your PC? Do you give it away to kids? Do you have a chance My to sell? kid is Rich Klein. I, okay. I only okay. give cards to Rich and Rich. There's an ecosystem through Rich. Gets rid of some of them through his synagogue show, benefit, as well as does some other placements of cards. So not a big deal. So he and I go way back. And then yep. I put some stuff on eBay. I put some stuff on CompC and nothing super serious, but enough that it's yep. fun. I think every card should have a home. I agree. I I'm agree. Like, I don't next home for it. Yeah. I don't want any cards being thrown away. I used to before COVID, my sons and I used to give cards to the boys and girls club. We haven't done it since then. I've been shipping to the different people and stuff like that, but we always find a place to give the cards away. And I don't want them to go to waste because somebody's going to have them. It used to be, you could get a 10th of a centerpiece for them. And that's not even worth the box that Wait. it's yeah, I'm selling monster box for the five row monster box. Selling the box for five bucks full of cards. I should have said, "Give me back the box." <laughs> exactly, the box is worth more than the cards. That was ten or twelve years ago. I did. Uh, that's and funny. I, actually, the cards would be worth a lot more too now. So, trying to lighten my load. But I like touching cards, Michael. It's just I don't mind doing a podcast or watching yeah. YouTube videos. But I really want to look at cards. When yeah. I want to go to a card show. I want to meet the people, but I want to leaf through some cards. And I love the stories behind people and how cards affect people. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think that's the cool part. It, again, it's the human action. Cards are like the best and worst of humanity in some ways. They bring out the good and the bad. It's, it's human nature is what it is. I think there's less jerks in the hobby than any other place, but still there's a jerk factor. And if it's one or 2%, that's you, better than most. Do you think it's better today, 2022, than it was, say, in 1990, as far as scams and stuff going on? Because there's a lot more knowledge. Well, there's, like, there's, scam there's, more, there's more money. It's worth it yeah. to, to cheat or to fudge. Because I want to believe that I was very active in Facebook for a long time and they had groups that would call out scams and stuff like that. 
And I had this sense of, oh man, the hobby's great. I feel safe, but people are going to watch me. People are helping me. Where I felt like maybe that didn't exist in the past. And maybe I just, like you said, maybe there's better criminals now. They're more sophisticated in some cases. That's America. You should be innocent until proven guilty. But if you are guilty, you shouldn't just get a slap on the wrist. You ought to make restitution. And it's almost biblical. <laughs> in the old Testament, yeah. talk about paying back triple or quadruple. Yeah. If you do that a few times, you're thinking, hey, crime does not pay. But if all you get is a slap on the wrist and, hey, don't do that anymore. And, hey, you just made an honest mistake. You're just going to do it again in human well, nature. More education, definitely the key. Finding, sharing, being open-minded, learning new stuff. Like I said, I learned a lot. Just the fact the 86 boxes weren't sealed themselves. Never thought about that. I still think it's funny just how much is still unknown and people still don't know about the hobby. Knowledge is probably one of the most important things you can have. And there's so little of it out there. There's a business reason for not sealing them, too. They didn't sell very well. Think of it. You weren't really supposed to buy a box if you're a collector because a box would be overkill. You'd have two sets. Yeah. Have yeah. Two sets, two, two and a half sets. But so they had a lot of action was in buying the packs. Picking it up implies... We want to sell boxes. And the boxes were super cheap. Packs were 50 cents or something. Yeah. I was a kid in the 80s and I never bought boxes. I don't think I ever bought a I box. I never bought, bought packs. And none of the top boxes in the 50s and 60s when I was a kid were wrapped. In fact, they propped them up to where they had the counter display. Yeah. So you can't hold the hobby to the current standards with the new technology that we have. We're probably going to be looking back in five years and realizing that some of the technology for grading making are probably yeah. looking a little different in five years if it comes from regulation there's some very public problems to where it gets the attention of the lawmakers petty theft which i don't think it's going to get their attention like, there's so many bigger issues in the world i just can't see anybody sitting down in a legislation and going we're going to talk about sports cards and laws right now yeah so i do think it's up to us to regulate for a while it's a, a caveat emptor buyer beware but they've got to be aware of what they need to what to look for that's why ryan's book to step by yeah. step what to look for but some of it's just you need some experience and you shouldn't expect to come in to the hobby and become an expert overnight or yeah. to have immediate success. In fact, the less experience you have, the more likely you are to get burned. Yeah. You don't know who you're dealing with. Some parts of the world, it's always relationship first. Yeah. Yep. And until yep. that relationship is established, we're not doing any business. Yep. And if that were the case, it slows things down, but it, you're going to have a lot less goof ups. I don't recruit people to come join the hobby, but friends of mine who ask about sports cards, I always tell them, you know, first of all, collect something you enjoy, you love, that you like, because you have to have a knowledge in it. Just because Pokemon's hot doesn't mean you're going to know Pokemon. So, and then also find people you enjoy being with, whether it's socially in a group or at a local card store, people that you can trust and you build a relation and they're going to answer questions for you. You've heard of stay in your lane. Yeah. I, I think it's stay in your lanes. I think it's yeah. fun to have more than one lane, but even in Los Angeles, they don't have... 12 lane uh, freeways. They, yeah. There's four or five or six lanes sometimes. It's great. Yeah. But there's a limit yeah. to how many lanes you can have. And it doesn't have to be one, doesn't have to be two, but it probably needs to be a number that you can manage. So I don't have bandwidth to add Pokemon. You know what I would add if I had the bandwidth would be racing. Because like you said earlier, it's a very friendly community. Exactly. The autographs, the, yeah. the going to the event cards, it's not about value as much. It just seems to me like a very kid-friendly, welcoming yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, do you collect anything outside of cards? I try not to. <laughs> really? No uh, other hobbies or anything? No, I got my hands full. I got too many cards. Yes, I don't. The memorabilia, I love memorabilia, but I don't have room. I have some stuff, but I don't push that and I don't seek that out. And as far as other kinds of things, 
Not really. Like no newspaper clippings of historical events over time? Or I've had stuff like sports that. Sports Illustrated. I've had all that stuff, but I'm old now. And if I kept everything, <laughs> I already have too much. I've got boxes on top of boxes. I can't find what I have. Cards are compact. And yeah. Love cards. I'm a card guy. The price guides. I did a memorabilia price guide and it was really difficult. To yeah, I can imagine. Back. That was in the early 80s. I was knowledgeable of all this stuff. I had a lot of that stuff. Then when I started the company, I really had to divest a lot of those things. Wow. I love cards. That's enough. Being a person that has joy and contentment is you've got to have your definition of enough. And for me, enough is sports cards, not yeah. trading cards, but sports cards. I love it. But I could also tell you, I could walk away, not quit it, but I could see taking a break and then coming back in like five or 10 years and being like, oh, what's changed? Oh, wow. Look at this. Because I like collecting other things too. But there's no wrong answer. It's just for me. It's been a life and it's been a great blessing. Yep. Some wonderful people that are lifelong friends and still the most trusted name in the hobby. I'm still pulling for the Beckett name. 